Hello and welcome back to Unexpected Points. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast version, I've been gone for a while. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, I've been gone for a little while. Honestly, you know, got a little tired of uh, scheduling the guests. Didn't feel ultimately compelled to come on here and talk about a whole lot when I could put my uh, thoughts out there via the weekly commentary I'm now doing on unexpectedpoints.stubsack.com. Check that out, of course. Uh, but I felt a little compelled to get on the mic here to talk post-game after the Thursday night kickoff contest between the Lions and the Chiefs. Um, going to dispute maybe some storylines that are out there. Going to go over some of the advanced metrics and numbers that I have that you will find on the Substack that I published a free article on that today it will uh, most of the stuff's going to be behind a paywall going forward on there um so welcome welcome back everybody for those watching on youtube i apologize for this like i got this thing kind of look like i'm growing another face on my forehead here took a pretty uh pretty bad mosquito bite to the dome last friday getting out there playing soccer with the kiddos uh the neighborhood kiddos um took out one of them <laughs> Which, see, this shows you, like, I don't know. Okay, I'm not a soccer guy. Like, I, I'm into it now, uh, watching it. But growing up, I was not. I mean, I think for olds like me, soccer was not really a thing. You're probably more likely to be into soccer in some ways. Uh, girls were more likely to be into soccer in some ways than than boys, at least where I grew up, uh, because of the fact that the U.S. national women's team was so good versus the men's team, but of course, not having access to it. But anyway, so basketball was more my thing growing up but anyway so i was playing and uh, uh i got kind of annoyed because uh this team with these three little runs was was beating me and two other kids, two other kids who were doing nothing so i uh i went in for the uh for the steal balls to, to uh, both of our feet hit the balls at the same time kid kind of lost his momentum ran into me and then boom right down on his flat on his back so uh be a little bit more careful going forward competitive nature comes out and i have to take out these kids uh anyway all right, you don't want to hear about my uh, athletic exploits or lack thereof. Let's talk about the game. 21-20, Lions over Chiefs in Arrowhead. I'm throwing out here. I'm throwing out like 90% of what I'm hearing out here about. And it's going to be, you know, the Lions and everything that they've uh, they've they've done. You know, Dan Campbell expected to win, so it was no big deal that he – that, no, it's not there's no big deal, but he expected to win. So he's not seeing as this some shocking result. I mean, I don't really see it as a shocking result either. This is not, you know, Alabama versus um, Community College of the South or something like that. These are NFL games. This is no Travis Kelsey. This is no Chris Jones. This is stuff that matters. Um, but what I will say for this game, I believe in particular, was, you know, it was just a sloppy game. There were the drops, which were highlighted, probably almost a little bit too far highlighted. I mean, yeah, the Kadarius Tony one where it went through his hands and then was taken back for a pick six. I mean, biggest play of the game in terms of expected points added in either direction. That was a negative 8.5. Now, you might think, how can it be more negative than seven when it led to a touchdown? Well, the Chiefs having the ball at that point in time before the play we're expected, you know, on average to be in a positive position of about 1.5 points 
And then boom, the other team takes it back all the way. So you net it all out. It's actually 8.5 points. So just a massive, massive negative play there. And it also took down the Chiefs win probability by about 20%, which is a huge amount like at that point in the game. You can have big, big win probability swings at the end for even small plays uh, because how it can affect your win probability. But to have it happen and it'd be over 20% at that point in the game. I mean, just massive. So, so that was sloppy. We had a couple of other Tony drops which were sloppy. Um, we had some weird fourth down decision-making. I'm going to talk about that a lot. I thought it just displayed a total lack of process-based decision-making and maybe preparation on for both teams. Uh, I expected that from Andy Reid a little bit more than I expected that from the Lions because of how they operated last season. In particular, how they operated last season after I believe it was the Vikings. They had a chance very early on in the year. Uh, sorry, I should have this pulled up. But I think it was week one or week two that against the Vikings where Campbell uh, decided to go for a field goal where they could have basically put the game away by going for and fourth down. Uh, and then the Vikings marched down and scored a touchdown on the other end. And, you know, I think he kind of turned the page at that point to say, let's trust the numbers, let's trust what's going on. Well, he, he didn't do that. Uh, specifically, uh, the 40-yard line. The Chief, fourth and three on the Chiefs' 40-yard line at one point in time. He didn't do it. Um, I've heard the explanation from some people of, oh, you got to, you know, he was trusting his defense. I thought, can we stop it with the trust the defense nonsense, please? Right? The defense is going to have to be trusted or relied upon no matter what happens. I mean, when the Lions did go for it appropriately on fourth and two late in the game, very late in the game, and did not convert was actually the most negative play in terms of win probability. It took down their win probability by about 20 something percent uh, because of the fact that it would have essentially ended the game. If they, if they converted um, that's trusting your defense too. the defense came in there and shut down the chiefs, you know, made them go three and out or four and out <laughs> on that one. So, you know, this whole trusting your defense, this sort of stuff, it's nonsense. Um, and I also think just because this game was was so sloppy in both directions, maybe we have a little bit less to take from it going forward than we think we would, and including uh, the injuries there. All right, so I'm going to go over. You know what? I, maybe I'll even do here for those of uh, those of you watching on um, YouTube. I'll give a little uh, shout out of the information that you can find on the website, um, so you can kind of get get a glimpse here. Of what's of what's going on so this is the advanced review on the website and um so the first thing to to highlight here is the the adjusted scores and the relevant and the relevant metrics that we have um i'll say that the adjusted scores are probably still making some people uh upset not quite as much as they used to. I see a bunch of other people kind of getting in the adjusted scores game. I see Timo Riske over at PFF is putting something up where I think he's calling his noise canceled scores. Uh, a little bit different methodology there. I also think people over at Sumer Sports are starting to get into it. So, uh, you know, I, I welcome I welcome the, the, the competition here uh, for eyeballs. But anyway, for for this game here, it's looking at the it looked at about an average game it looked like about 2020 of course it was a one point differential in actual score important numbers to highlight here chiefs their passing rate over expectation 
So if you look at down, distance, score differential, you assume how, whether they should be passing or not, how often they pass or not on every down. You look at the differentials versus what they're actually passing, and boom, you get a number. 15.3% over expectation. Huge, huge, huge number. This is without Travis Kelsey. This is facing a Lions team, which was bottom five against the run last year. I even heard some commentators, maybe it was Mina Kimes. It was someone who said, you know, she was turning in her nerd card because she was going to recommend that the Chiefs run the ball, or she thought the Chiefs should run the ball maybe a little bit more than usual in this game because of the fact that the Lions defense was so bad and, and this sort of thing. Well, they didn't. And the running game stunk. Um, if you look at anyone else not named Patrick Mahomes, who ran the ball in that game, 45 yards on 17 carries, 2.6 yards per carry, uh, multiple massive negative EPA plays, whether it was trying to convert on third and short or uh, taking losses on second and short on some of these jet sweeps, which I don't know why you're doing the jet sweeps so much, especially on plays where the the risk is asymmetric to losing yards versus gaining yards. Meaning on fourth down, I don't mind the jet sweep and other things like that on fourth down as much because if you lose two yards on fourth and one versus lose zero yards on fourth and one, who cares? You're losing the ball either way. So you're just trying to juice up your conversion probability. You don't really care about the expected yards on that sort of play versus um, conversion probability. On second and one, on third and one, you really care about not losing yards, about calling plays where you're not going to lose yards. Well, jet sweeps for all of the trickery that may come in there, for all the high explosiveness that you may get out of those sorts of plays, uh, you also add an element of losing yards more often than a run where you're going north-south. So when you do that on third down and you lose yards, you kind of make it a lot more difficult to go for on fourth down. When you do that on second and one, and of course, second and one is the down where you should be trying to really generate an explosive play down the field, um, and you lose yards, well, you put yourself in a lot worse third-in-one situation. So n- not a fan of those. I don't know if you want to blame. I, I, Matt Nagy will get will, will get a lot of blame, I presume, on this. But, you know, Reed may be off of his game a little bit there, there too. But we, we don't want to, you know, delve too much into week one takeaways of like, oh, they miss Eric Bieniemy and this and that. Whatever. It, it's one week. It was a sloppy game. So that's something to, to point out because the Chiefs, you know, as the most pass-happy team in the NFL last year, with Travis Kelsey for you know the entire season. He hasn't missed a game since 2013. They were about 11% over expectation. They were 15% over expectation, so even higher. Uh, the Lions were about negative 1% versus expectation last year. In this particular game, negative 9%. So they were running the ball a little bit more often than they even had done in the past. Wasn't particularly successful, honestly, until... You know, the final drive, obviously, the, to kill the game at the end came up huge there. And a couple of rushes where they they just turned a, you know, first and goal type of situation into a touchdown very easily running the ball on their last touchdown drive. So it came through there. Before that, eh, it was kind of hit or miss running the ball there for the Lions. But they did use play action, and, and Jared Goff had a huge third and 12 conversion to Josh Reynolds, which I think was something that people don't necessarily associate him with being able to do uh, when there was pressure coming on him there. So he came up there. Uh, success rates, I mean, neither team was very successful offensively. So I think it's hard to say, you know, like Chris Jones was the biggest factor here. I mean, they didn't get a lot of pass rush onto, um, onto Goff, but 
like I said, they weren't highly successful offensive either. Eitherwise, both both success rates were success rates for the offenses were down, but the Chiefs were a little bit better. So the Chiefs, you know, where do they where do they come up short? Well, the turnover disadvantage or advantage for the Lions, uh, about five expected points worse for the Chiefs on that one because of the turnover, and then. Uh, third and fourth down, they also were pretty bad. Now, some of this was like the wild-ass fourth down that they went for <laughs> later in the game. Um, but they did get a little bit of advantage in the Chiefs as far as the special teams and penalties, uh, most of it coming from a 40-something yard pass interference call to to Justin Watson that they ended up getting and netting about 2.6 expected points at it. So uh, the, we talked about the drop for Tony, more drops for Tony. I don't want to... You know, I don't want a victory lap too much on this, but I'm someone who's been skeptical of the Tony trade when it happened. I thought that just the the the, the fact that he could just be a bust was a little bit higher than some people were expecting. You know, when a player doesn't get on the field, no matter how talented we might think they are, and he had trouble getting on the field for the Giants, you have to wonder about him. I mean, he had a good Super Bowl, but remember, he was, again, barely on the field in that game. Uh, and he had the the big punt return that people remember. He had the touchdown that people remember. But there was also a very similar touchdown to Sky Moore in that game. Uh, in this game, Tony, five targets. So he got targeted at least. He was out there on the field at least. But maybe two to three drops on those targets, depending upon how you want to classify the one where they were running a mesh over the middle. And he was a little bit um, blind with the ball coming in that he dropped. So two to three drops on five targets. Uh, one of them threw his hands for a pick six. He had another rushing attempt, lost a yard on that rushing attempt. Um, his one catch, I put quotes around catch, was one of those ones where I believe it was direct snap to, crap, I don't remember who it was. It was a direct snap to someone other than Mahomes, who then gave it to Mahomes, who then flipped it to Tony, I think, near the goal line, and you know got, got zero yards on on that play, so... Pretty much as bad of a play as you can you can expect from Kadarius Tony. And the thing is with with him is you know he's just not really like a wide receiver. He's not someone you can count on to play wide receiver. He never has been. Maybe he could have made that leap, but he's pretty notorious for the fact in New York. Uh, you know the 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 whisper campaign against him may be somewhat true that he does not think about football at all in the off season. You know, maybe not even that much during the regular season, other than when he's forced to be in practice, to be at practice. He doesn't pick up a playbook in the offseason, doesn't do any of that stuff. So, you know, extremely naturally talented, not a whole lot going on there. Sky Moore, again, didn't do a whole lot, lot there. So what did Mahomes do in this game? Well, Mahomes upped the risk factor appropriately. And I think for the most part, it paid off. The drops were killer, but for most part, it paid off. I talked about the big pass interference call down the field. Uh, there was a huge third and 12 conversion where he basically just slung it between multiple safeties to MBS, where it was a huge, huge gain down the field. Um, Mahomes's a dot was 9.1 yards with some, you know, a decent amount of screens mixed in there, which was, which would be, if you rank that versus last year, remember his a dot was, was, you know, multiple yards lower than that on average last year, it would have been the second highest a dot for any game last year. So that was the adjustment without Kelsey there. Now, his completion percentage over expected was way down, was negative 6%. But again, he talked about this in the offseason, and I agree with him that, you know, certain times you got you to gotta up the risk and let to see if your receivers can make plays. 
he's not the most accurate quarterback, Mahomes, but I think there's also an element of that. When he when he throws the ball in there, you know, sometimes when guys are covered pretty well, sometimes he'll be caught. Sometimes these, his guys will make a play. Sometimes it'll be an incompletion. Sometimes it'll be an interception. Um, sometimes you can get a pass interference call like they like they did on on one play. So I think he was doing a good job with that, but it reflected in a poor number for his completion percentage over expected. Mahomes' EPA per play was actually negative on the game, but if you adjust for the interception, it goes up to being about you know positive 0.14 per play, which is about the same as golf, which is maybe top 10-ish sort of numbers. Uh, heavily boosted by 5.8 EPA in scrambles, multiple scrambles for Mahomes, their leading rusher in that regard. He really turn that knob too. And that's what makes him special, right? Is the ability to turn the knob to say, I'm going to play a little bit more aggressively or more conservatively if I need to. And I'm also going to turn that knob on scrambling, which, which he brought up there. Um, as far as, and I think I want to get into fourth down decisioning here a little bit. Um, okay. It was, it was a mess. It was a mess. You had the lions going for it inside of their own 20 which was a good decision, which was actually a good decision uh, regardless of, you know, doing a fake or not. If just going for it against the the Chiefs in that circumstance was a good call. Uh, But then they passed up, again, a couple of opportunities when they should have gone for it. So they lost about 5% win probability in total with those decisions. Now the Chiefs lost 6.5% win probability with their decisions. Um, And again, this is where models really, really, really help. Because what seems obvious or traditionally obvious is normally we're talking about one or two yards to go the other team side of the field or a few yards to go on the other team side of the field. So we're talking about, you know, the, the one that the Lions really should have gone on that they didn't that they didn't go on. Um, we're talking about the one where the. um the Lions were, you know, they, they they were on the 40-yard line with three yards to go. That was one just by itself was 3.9% win probability they didn't go. That one's pretty obvious. Now, what you would not see as obvious, and this again, this is where modeling really, really, really helps because it can factor in many things that are just not as intuitive. Um, when the Chiefs had the ball in the fourth quarter, Let's see how much time was left to go. Five minutes and 15 seconds left to go. They had their own 31-yard line. Now, looking at this, you're saying, well, five minutes to go, your own 31-yard line, four yards to go on fourth down. Yeah, there's like no way that you should be going for it on this sort of play. It's, It's the traditional way of thinking about it. You punt the ball, you're only down one, you get the ball back, blah, 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 blah. Um, however, however, this one is actually even a higher win probability loss, about 4.7% not going for it here on fourth and four. Now, why is that? Well, with about five minutes left to go, okay, if you punt it and you give the the the, the Lions a, a longer field, you're opening up the possibility of just never getting the ball back at all. It might not happen. So, like, that's something that when you're thinking at the, near the end of the game where the possessions back and forth are not going to be equal-ish, like an early for a fourth down decision, the possessions are going to be equal-ish. So now we're not only talking about like whether you can convert or not and score or not, 
but we're talking about how these possessions and just having the, getting an extra possession at the end of the game is massive when it's two possessions versus one possession or one possession versus zero possessions. Hugely, hugely massive. So that's one thing. You kick it to them, you're opening up a, a decent possibility. Didn't happen, of course, in this game. You're opening up a decent possibility. Lions just run out that clock and it's over. Um, and if you don't get it and you give up the ball on your own 31-yard line, well, they pretty much cannot run out the clock. So you know you're going to get the ball back. So even if they score a touchdown, get the extra point, you're down eight points. I mean, maybe they go for two and they try to completely seal the game, but let's, you know, that, that's a maybe. And that also hurts them just as much as it helps them if they don't get that two-point conversion. Um, you got to know you're going to get the ball back. So by going for it, you give yourself a chance to convert and you ensure the fact that you're going to get the ball back even if you don't convert and have a chance probably to tie and send it to overtime. So those are the factors that are just not as intuitive at this point in the game, that you're raising your expected possessions, let's say, counting, you know, converting and getting a possession out of that. You're raising your expected possessions by maybe like half a possession. And that's massive when we're talking about only five minutes left in the game. And that's just a call where, you know, Reed and others aren't going to make the call intuitively. Um, and that's why you have to have a process of actually being able to analyze these things. Um, let me see. Reed's other call, well, he had he had fourth and three at his own 38, I guess, was the other one. Again, not something you're going to see a team do that often, but it's a it's it's a very makeable, very convertible call at that at, at that distance with that offense. Again, they, they weren't going to do it. Now, we got to talk about the fourth and a billion that the that we did decide did decide to go for at the end of the game. Um, I think it's hard to even model this. Now, I tried to model it in the you know Ben Baldwin stuff and his fourth down stuff and just manually input in there. Uh, luckily, I could. The manual inputs only go up to 30 yards to go. So lucky with fourth and 25, I was able to get up there. And it said punting was an advantage by about 6% win probability. But, you know, that late in the game, the assumptions, like what's the Chiefs conversion probability on fourth and 25? I don't know. It was it was 6% in the model. It's probably higher than that. Uh, some people said, oh, it was a drop. It wasn't a drop on that play, please. That would have been an incredible catch by Sky Moore if he caught that. But, you know, with Mahomes, it's probably higher than 6%. I mean, who knows? Maybe we get it up to, you know, 15% then it's a, it's a worthwhile venture to do. But I don't know. My, my intuition was was against it. The Chiefs, before their, their first play, remember they ran a play and they got a, what was it? False start or a hold or something? Hold? No. It was a five-yard penalty, so I don't know what the hell they got. But they, they got a penalty on the fourth and 20 before that. I guess it was a false start where they had even more time on the clock. So they could have punted it, probably punted it in a way to remain over two minutes. They would have had the two-minute warning and all three timeouts. Amazingly, Andy Reid had not blown any timeouts until that point. So they would have had all of that to go. Uh, that's not the worst situation. I mean, you're in a bad you're in a bad spot. You punt away at that point to another offense. And, you know, if you want to play results-based thing and say, well, they got the first down anyway, so they would have gotten the first down, so it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, yeah, but you don't know that at the time, right? Um, I think I would have punted it there. You keep it within a field goal for sure on the score. You have all those timeouts. 
you know, you got to stop them. They didn't stop them that time, but they did stop them the drive before when they punted. So, you know, hey, sometimes you stop them, sometimes you don't. Now, like, what's the process for Andy Reid on this one? I have no idea. I mean, some coaches just go nuts when it's near the end of the game um, and the regret aversion kicks in and they're like, well, if I don't go for this and we lose, I'm going to feel so bad that I have to go for it. I was kind of shocked. And then I also wanted to know from Andy Reid's perspective, again, if you can't answer these questions then you don't have a good process and the type of questions I'm talking about is, okay, you're going to go for it on fourth and 20. Then you take a five-yard penalty. Okay, you're going to go for it on fourth and 25. Now, would you have gone for it on fourth and 30? Fourth and 35? Fourth and 40? Fourth and 45? I don't know if it's possible from their field position. But anyway, you know what I mean here. Um, if there's not a tipping point, if you don't have any way of figuring out what that tipping point is, whether it's field position, whether it's how many yards to go, whether it's the score differential, whether it's how much time is left. If none of these, if you can't point out to me uh, and calculate out, then you can't, you don't have to do it in your head. I'm saying if you don't have a process for trying to weigh these factors and having the exact tipping point from where you go from decision to go for it, to decision not to go for it, then you don't really have a process. It's just vibes. It's just vibes at that point. Like once Reed had said he was going to go for it on fourth and 20, maybe he would have gone for it on fourth and 35. I don't even know what's going on here. I mean, the bigger problem is like not going for it in the earlier situations than necessarily this particular one. Um, I've heard some galaxy brain ish, although maybe they're smart type of takes that the chief should have, you know, run the ball back inside the 10, taken a knee and then ensured they get the ball back. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. I think I would have felt kind of bad not giving Patrick Mahomes a chance to convert if I was deciding to go for it anyway. I mean, punting, you know, that was would seem a little bit more acceptable to me than doing it the other way. Um, and giving, plus you give the Lions a 50-50 shot if they score a touchdown, which they probably will there, um, to to end the game with a, um, with a two-point conversion. So then you'd feel pretty stupid. Um, if you down the ball inside the 10, they score a touchdown, they convert the two-pointer, and then you're like sitting there down by nine points <laughs> with, with uh, 45 seconds left. Um, that would that 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 would cause some discourse. There'd be some discourse today on that one. You might want to avoid that as a, as a head coach when you can. You can just punt it away and probably it'd be the, the the best decision in that circumstance. Um, so how does this affect things going forward? Uh, I mean, I thought Mahomes is great. Kelsey does not seem like a long term thing. Chris Jones. We'll see if they get him in. I mean, a, a sneaky thing here with the Chris Jones deal and the Kansas city chiefs is, you know, they're, they're not rich. They're not a rich franchise that can just peel out a bunch of money. So to say that they're going to like cronky Ram style and just throw a bunch of money. Like they did at Aaron Donald at Chris Jones, when he's probably aging out of his prime in a season or two, I don't know they're, they're, they're holding that. They got a little bit more lockdown on the money there in Kansas City, I think. I mean, they barely paid out any money to Patrick Mahomes as far as signing bonus is concerned on that 10-year deal, amortizing that over a long period of time. Traded away Tyreek Hill rather than pay him a bunch of money. So, you know, it might be a little bit tighter with the purse strings there. They're definitely in the bottom third of the NFL as far as cash spending, you know, almost consistently year in and year out. So I'm not sure that's going to resolve itself as quickly as some might think after this game, but who knows, maybe the game checks will get to Chris Jones um, going forward. I mean, if they lose another game, then we get into a situation like, you know, way back in the day when Emmett Smith was holding out and the Cowboys lost the first few games of the season 
And then Jerry Jones was just, you know, running to the bank to load up the, uh, the wheelbarrow to go drop it off over at Emmett's house. Um, maybe that, maybe that'll be a similar situation with Jones. If the chiefs cannot do better going forward. Um, but I have been saying all off season that I thought a couple of different things. I was higher than most on the chiefs last year. I'm still highest on them, but I think they're fragile this year, more fragile than they were yet. The, the um, perception of the chiefs and the perception of Mahomes, who, again, I've been like Mahomes is underrated guy forever. This is probably the first time I think Mahomes is like properly rated going into the season. The first time the chiefs offense is really properly rated going into this season. So, there might be some more downside there. And there's certainly more fragility. I wrote this up in a couple of different posts in the offseason talking about the fragility of the receivers and the offense is as high as it's ever been. And we've, we've seen this here with Kelsey in his age 34 season. And whatever you think about Juju Smith-Schuster, he's not exciting, but, you know, the dude was getting like a lot of targets, seven targets a game or something like that. I have it written up in, in the post that I wrote up, but he was, he was gathering a lot of targets and he was doing okay yards per target wise. Um, you know, Kadarius Tony is at a fat goose egg. Actually, no, he's not a goose egg yards per target. He's one yard. <laughs> so he has 0.2 yards per target for, for Kadarius Tony. Uh, I don't even want to know what Sky Moore was in yards per route run last night. Wasn't pretty. So like having a functional player, I mean, when, 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 uh, you know, MVS is your reliable receiver and he was pretty good. He caught that pass, you know, but he's never going to be a target hog. Uh, and then, you know, Rasheed Rice, your rookie is coming in and looking more reliable. That's, that's, that's difficult. Um, so the loss of Juju, and then of course, just the general fragility of an older player in Kelsey who hasn't missed a lot of time and a lot of luck they've had in that circumstances, it could make things tough, but I thought Mahomes was outstanding last night. Not only the scrambling, but just how he adjusted his game to give his team a really, really, really good chance to win. Um, but it didn't come out at all at the end. You know, I don't have as much to say about the Lions. The Lions did look good defensively, I guess you could say, but I want to see them against a more functional receiving core that looks like it's on the same page before I make any discussions there. Because uh, they were, you know, bottom five. They're one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Maybe bottom three in the NFL last year. So it'll be huge if they can move up from that standpoint. That'll put them, I believe, well in command of the NFC North. I mean, this puts them well in command of the NFC North. Getting this result on the road week one uh, really boosts their chances there. Goff, I thought, was great. I thought the offensive line was great, although they didn't have a, you know, a hard pass rush to deal with. Um, this is a great formula for them. To, to win games. It's just this particular game, you know, other than the Tony drops, which were massive, right? A lot of things were, went right for KC and, and Mahomes gave them a chance to win. Just didn't end up happening. But the Lions also gave themselves a chance to win. I just don't think it was faded in either direction with a little bit of a, of a sloppy game here for them. But kind of positives to take away from, from both teams, more concerns about the Chiefs and then uh, the Lions formula going forward. You know, top 10 offense is probably going to happen again as long as uh, Goff can keep it in that sort of area going forward. All right, um, let's take some questions here. I don't know if we have any comments. Oh, Laporta. Oh, my man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Laporta, let me let me just say, Laporta was one of my uh, – let me let me go ahead and put this on the screen. Laporta looked looked good. Yes, I agree with that. I will, well, let me just say now, throw Q&A 
just do Q&A, just lead with Q&A uh, in, the, in the comments here, and I'll, I'll get to these as we're, as we're going through. Yeah, let me talk a little bit about Laporta. I probably should have. Uh, what did he end up the game with? Let me see. Do we have the – first, let's go to PFFs, see if my, my former friends over here have something. Oh, they may have it here. Um, okay, so let me see. We got actual advanced stats from last night. Ah, we do. Okay, so Laporta, five catches, 39 yards. So not great, 7.8 yards per reception. But he did convert multiple first downs with those. He looked pretty good blocking, which, you know, if you're on the Lions, you're going to have to do that. So I thought he looked good. A lot of two tight end sets, at least anecdotally, I noticed, from the Lions, which is good because that gets Laporta on the the field a lot um, for a rookie. And let me see. Lined up in the slot four times. That's not bad. 26 routes. It's not bad at all. Pretty pretty darn good for week one. And Yak. Yak, this he was our guy. Now, remember, during the offseason, I did a post about traits we were looking for for tight end prospects. One of them was just pure-ass speed. And Laporta had that. I don't know what he ran. What did he run? 4-5 or something like that at the Combine. So weight adjusted speed. He had that. And the other thing I thought was tackle breaking ability, which translates to yak. Like there are different types of yak. I like it when you can really see the tackle avoiding or forcing missed tackle ability attached to yak, as opposed to just like schemed up yak. And he had that, you know, near the hundredth percentile in college. And he displayed it at least in his yak last night, 18 yards of yak, 3.6 per reception, 1.5 yards per route run. So not massive, but Hey, we'll take it. We'll take it for a rookie getting on the field like that. He was one of these weird situations with Laporta where I said my official draft strategy when it came to tight ends this year because there were so many good ones was to let other people reach and then draft just one of the guys, which I thought there were maybe five or six who could be good. But but I really love Laporta. <laughs> Laporta was the guy that I really did love. And he probably went earlier. Where did he, wait, where did he go exactly? Was the second round? Um, he probably went early. I mean, he wasn't the earliest, right? Like I would have, I would, he would have been my, he would have been my number one tight end off the board. So he went after who Kincaid and Mayer, I think. Um, so, so he, he didn't go that early, but I probably would have, you know, galaxy brained into, into missing him in the draft, despite the fact that he was my, he was my favorite guy. Well, what happened here? Let's look. Oh no, Laporta was the second one. He actually went before Mayor, one pick before Mayor. So he was, yeah, so he was 34th pick. So he was the, what is that? Uh, what we see, we're missing a pick this year. So that's the third pick of the second round. So yeah, I definitely would have missed him. And then Mayor went 35th. So I would have been, you know, I would have been in like the Tucker Craft business <laughs> or or the the uh, the the Luke Musgrave business. Actually, no, he went 42. That's probably earlier than I would have taken him. I would have been in, in the Darnell Washington business as opposed to the Laporta business and kicking myself as I watched him play last night. Um, but I definitely think not, you know, not reaching like Kincaid was being reached for in the first round. I think traded up in the first round was probably uh, the right move. But yeah, Laporta definitely looked good. Um, what else do we say here? Gibbs, yeah, Gibbs did look electric, but but there were a couple of things there. Now, um, 
like, I don't want to say like hit the hole or not. I don't care about that stuff, but there were a couple of ones where he kind of just like ran into the offensive lines lineman's back. And I tend to discount that stuff. I don't care about this stuff, but you know, coaches are like insane about uh, success rate and not losing yards versus gaining yards. So that's a problem. Um, and also the stats as far as the um, receiving here and the play, like Montgomery was in on a ton of snaps. If you look at, um, let's look at running back numbers from last night. Um, for some reason, I'm only getting, oh no, Jameer Gibbs is showing up here. Um, so Gibbs ran nine routes last night. Little disappointing. Now, uh, Montgomery didn't run any routes, but if we go to, uh, pass blocking, that's why he was in there on a lot of these third downs. Montgomery had nine, nine pass blocking snaps. So that's a lot. So, you know, maybe that'll shift a little bit more. But they weren't using him sometimes, Gibbs, where that eh, could be a little bit slow to start the season. He's going to need that. Um, he's going to need that upside, really, for for uh, for efficiency, because I don't know if the touchdowns and the opportunity is really going to be there as much at first for Gibbs. But I thought he looked good. I mean, hell, you paid that. You paid a shit ton of, of draft capital for him. So I hope he does. He does look good here. All right, let's get to the, some of these Q and A's here, and then I'll then I'll peel out. Uh, Q&A from Trey Williams here. Should we expect teams to learn from slash replicate uh, right tackle Jennings get off and spacing one to two yards behind the line of line of scrimmage? Um, that was Juwan Taylor, right? Wasn't that Juwan Taylor or was I wrong? Or was it was it Red Jennings? Maybe you're right. Maybe it was Jennings. Um, I thought it was. Oh, I thought it was Juwan Taylor the whole time. I guess he's playing left tackle. Good. Uh, Oh, no, it was it was Jawan Taylor. Okay, it was Jawan Taylor. So, um, so Jawan Taylor, yeah, <laughs> that's another thing that was messed about this game. Dude's making a mockery of the rules, and like I get it from his perspective, and I think we've been we've been seeing it a little bit more. But the fact that it was an island game, and you know the rule, I think the most egregious thing, the get off early thing, eh, whatever. Uh, I think the most egregious thing was the fact that he was like his head is supposed to be breaking the waist of the center he wasn't even close as they said like he was probably at least a yard away from doing that so that was insane i think a lot of guys have been doing that a lot of guys have been doing the early get off and you know i expect a note will be passed around the nfl because i mean that's a massive advantage when you can do that um they said that it was play tipping a lot but who gives a shit about play tipping like you 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 know when it's gonna like on third and ten he's play tipping that they're gonna pass the ball like who cares um, but I thought that also held down Hutchinson quite a bit, who had a strong game from the Lions' perspective there. Um, one Man's Odyssey has a question here. It says, Mahomes looked like he had always done, but should this game concern KC that without Hill, Kelsey, mind meld with Mahomes, his ability will be wasted? I mean, his ability is not wasted because, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, right? I totally get what you're saying. And it kind of goes, uh, his ability is not wasted because, like, that offense would have been, shit without him there right it wouldn't have been 21 20 it would have been 21 to 7 you know or to 6 without him there because no one could do anything he was creating so much scrambling he was creating so much just throwing the ball down the field and taking risks um the offensive line was doing a good job protecting him i think generally but he also has an 
ultimately great sense of how long to hold on to the ball, not taking any sacks, all that sort of stuff. So it's not that like he's being wasted. It's just, you're right. If you don't have that incremental value from Kelsey and others to get them over the hump and you're turning two, three, four games into losses that would have been wins, then yeah, that that's rough. Um, but I think Mahomes is not being wasted in the fact that he'll still keep them into the game as no matter who's out there uh, on offense. Um, are you sure Montgomery didn't run routes? That's a good question. I don't know. He didn't show up in PFF. So, you know, call your, call your local PFF rep on that one. Um, Dr. Tough guy. All right, Dr. Tough guy. This is, this is not the podcast. I expect Dr. Tough. Well, doctor. Yes. Tough guy. No. Uh, any takes on how to optimally react to week one? It seems that there can be signal, e.g. Nathaniel Hackett's week one shenanigans, but often not. Okay, week one. It's kind of similar to preseason, but a little bit enhanced as far as how we react here. Injuries matter. Usage matters more than usage matters more than volume when it comes to stuff like targets and even even like your volume when it comes to goal line you goal line touches and things like that it's more important that you're like you're in the game in goal line situations than you're actually getting touches in goal line situations because those touches may or may not come depending upon the play calls depending upon how quickly you score or not all this sort of thing so number one injuries number two pure usage where are you on the field are you running routes are you in the game on third downs are you in the game in a red zone goal line package even if you're not getting the ball number three uh, volume in terms of, are you getting the ball? Are you getting the ball? Are you getting targeted? Uh, those are the big ones. And then efficiency and things like that. That's the one that you're going to want to fade versus the crowd is like what you're doing with those sorts of sorts of volumes. But I think even at this point in week one, I would fade volume when it comes to getting the carries, getting the, getting the carries in certain situations, like on the goal line in particular and getting the targets versus, just being out on the field and running routes and being in the backfield ready to potentially take a carry on plays where maybe you throw the ball instead. Um, that's the type of stuff that I would, I would definitely pay attention to like the Nathaniel Hackett stuff and bad coaching and this and that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll pay attention to it. It, it could be a signal when it comes to some of that stuff, but I think it's easier to look back and, and figure that and figure that out. Um, trick play where the T took the tight end. Well, the tight end took the snap. That's a, were, this is one man's odyssey talking about when, I don't know who it was, Blake. I don't know if it was Noah Gray or Bell or whoever took the, took the snap, but you know, that's like a Kansas city thing. Ever since Mahomes dislocated his knee in 2019, doing a quarterback sneak, they run the sneak with the tight end. So it wasn't like as galaxy brain as it may look. It was just a fake sneak to a jet sweep, which again was dumb because it was third down. You don't run jet sweeps on third down. Like I would much rather just like sneak the stupid sneak the damn ball. If you don't get it, then you try it again on fourth down. So it was dumb in that regard. But the fact that they were using the tight end actually has some logic to it because that was like you're trying to fake the sneak, bring all the defenders in and then sweep around the outside. Like I get it, but again, better fourth down play than a third down play. Uh, might've missed a bit, but what are the thoughts on the fourth down conversion where Goff's pass was blocked? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely one you go for. It was like a massive win probability gain. I think it was something like an 11% win probability gain. Now they ended up losing 20% because they didn't get it. 
Um, I've heard some thought that like he could have run for it. I don't know. It's always tough to judge for me whether or not quarterbacks can run for it, especially someone who's got, you know, who's wearing um, concrete boots like golf. Like there's a lot of plays in the NFL where th- something looks open and the quarterback starts to run and boom, it's just not open anymore. Uh, I did think it was kind of ridiculous just to like, well, I'd have to, I'd have to like go see the, the quote unquote all 22. And I don't want to get too much play callerness in here. Um, but I thought they could have just had, you know, was Gibbs not in the game on that play? Like, you know, have Gibbs in the game and have him get you a freaking two yards when you need it. I, sh- I should look at that. Someone tell me if Gibbs is in the game or not on that one. Cause if it was Montgomery, actually, you know what? I gotta, I gotta go all the way and actually look it up on the NFL uh, Twitter. Cause they, they have to have like the actual footage of that of that misconversion, right? Because if this is just seems like uh, galaxy braining a little bit to not have, um, here we go, fourth down. I'm looking at this. Yeah. Montgomery was in the game. Uh, fuck that. <laughs> Sorry. Get, get your, get your Jameer Gibbs in the game, pick up that for that fourth down. Um, anyway, so that's my opinion on that. Uh, okay, I think that's it. I don't see any other Q&A here. I appreciate everyone. This is actually great timing for me to get off. I'm going to try to do this more often. I've been derelict not doing it. It might just be more in this sort of format than interview podcasts um, going forward, but I appreciate everyone. Go check out the Substack, y'all. Uh, I hate when people use y'all in like Southern phrases when they are folks, when you know there's no chance in hell. They use it in text, but they know, there's no chance in hell they would ever use it um, when they're talking to someone. Anyway, I, I don't know. I'm going. To, I got to stick to sports here. Substack, unexpected points. That's Substack.com. Check it out. Get on there. Get a get a preview at least of what's going on here. You see my commentary. I'm gonna try to get kind of like the weekly commentary, the new column out every week. I'll be talking about uh, running the ball truthers this week and why it just it needs to end. People talking about it. But anyway, I appreciate everyone out there tuning in. Um, it's good to see people back on uh, jumping onto the stream here, even though I haven't been around in a long time and I'll be talking at all you guys next week. I'm going to try to make this a regular thing on Fridays, maybe on Tuesdays too, to discuss Monday night football. Cause it's at least it's like, it's, it's manageable versus talking about an entire week of football. But anyway, thanks everybody out there. And I'll be talking at you next week. Bye.